This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. What is my purpose? This has been the question we've been asking. We've been asking that question on purpose, and I'm hoping that you are um, finding your way as you're meeting in your groups, as uh, you are going through those daily devotionals. If you have not received a purpose book, and uh, you'd like to get one, you're welcome to stop by the info desk afterwards. Uh, we've got a daily devotional you can work through. There's also some questions and things that you can work through uh, in your groups. And it's been so impactful for me even. Uh, you know, I've, I've read a couple of the, the purpose books over the years, and I've, I've pondered this, this sort of question. Uh, in many ways, if someone had to ask me, Gareth, are you living out God's purpose for your life? I would say, absolutely. But do I have all the details down do I have my, my, my 10, 20, 50-year plan? Uh, no, not really. All I've really resolved to do is to, to kind of discover the big picture. And as I give myself faithfully to some of the big picture realities that God's revealed, uh, I've been experiencing some of those details. And I've had some, some detours. Anybody experience some detours in your life? And sometimes you get to, to the dead end and you wonder, how on earth did I get here? And then you realize, actually, no, I've got to make some adjustments. I've got to make some course adjustments, which is what we'll be doing. And so when we think about our purpose, I want to just kind of think about the world. I've been reading this book by Jordan Peterson, uh, you know, called The Twelve Rules for Life. And then at the bottom it says, an antidote to chaos. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. But, oh, it's a hard book to read. I've been trying to work through it. What was interesting is in one of, the, one of his rules for life, he actually asks and kind of speaks about this reality around what is my purpose? What, why, why on earth am I here for? And this is something that obviously philosophers have asked this question for many, many years. And, and what's happened in the world today is that we approach our wanting to discover that in, in one of two ways. The first way is speculation. In other words, in the world of philosophy, guys are kind of taking some pokes in the dark. This is what I kind of think may have happened. And, and there's, there's a philosopher, he's actually a philosophy professor named Hugh Moorhead. And what he did is he wrote 250 of the world's top philosophers and asked him this question, what is the meaning of life? And all of them wrote, them, wrote him back and he compiled a little book uh, you know, of their responses. You can find it on Amazon or wherever. Um, and, and this is what some of them actually said. Some of them said, well, we're, we're just actually, we don't really know. Others said, well, I didn't really have a purpose for life, so I made one up. I thought this is a, a good thing for me to do, and this is where I'm going to go. Others actually even said, well, once you get all the answers, please send it to me. I'd like to find out. So in philosophy and in the world today, often we find ourselves sort of speculating, figuring, trying to figure these things out. And, and fortunately, I think if we, are, if we are Christ followers and if we're willing to submit ourselves and bring ourselves into the knowledge of who God is and who Jesus is as revealed um, so beautifully, last week Ainsley spoke to us about the fact that our purpose is to be is Christ. Christ is our purpose. And we actually can then discover our purpose, not by speculation, but actually by revelation. 
which means I'm willing to put myself in a position where I say, Lord, please reveal to me what is your purpose. I'm not going to try and take some, some shots in the dark, but actually I'm going to bring myself into a place where I say, Lord, you can reveal to me not only what's the general will of, 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 your life, of, of yours for my life, but actually, Lord, what are some of those specific things that you have revealed? We've had so many prophetic words, and just, there's just been a sense this morning that God wants us to discover that. He wants us to know him. He wants to come, us to come and be like him, which is what my title is of today's message. We've got five purposes we're working through in this series. The first one is my purpose is Christ. The second one is what I'm covering today is that our purpose is to become like Christ, Christ, Christ-likeness. Next week, Murdoch's going to be speaking to us about our purpose is community. Then Grant will speak to us about the fact that our purpose is for the common good. And lastly, we're going to be looking at the fact that our purpose is for the Great Commission. And today I'm speaking about this reality that, that we are called to be like Christ. Now, I like what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul uses this very strong language of, I'm, 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 I'm contending. I'm, my desire for you is that you would come to know Christ and be like him. Because Christ needs to be formed in you. As Ainsley said, we don't, don't just come to experience and see who Jesus is, but actually as we see who he is and he, he reveals to us who he is, we begin to say, Lord, what can I remove? What can I put on in order to become more like you? And that is what we'll be looking at today. So we're going to be asking three questions today. Why do we need to change? What does it mean to be more like Jesus? And how do we become more like Jesus? So the first question, why do we need to change? You know, it's interesting for me to see in this world today, all of us would like some change. You know, I mean, even our political parties, they use vote for change, you know, it's in your hands, you know, we, we, we're always contending for, for something different. But I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult to change. I don't want to change. As much as I want to and I think it's a good thing, I just don't. And, and I think the first thing you and I need to understand is that we do need to change. Our, our base re- reality, our sinful nature, the way that we approach life, the way we see life constantly has to be made. We have to make adjustments based on what Christ has revealed. Not what we think we should be doing, but based on what we know we should be doing. And I'll be touching on just how we'll be able to do that and what are some of the the practical things that we could do. Philippians 2, and this is going to be our our key passage we're going to be looking at in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verse 14 to 15. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Sure. Gareth, now you're talking about purpose here. Now you're talking about the things that keep me from my purpose. I grumble and I argue. I grumble against the world around me, and I argue with those who say I should be different. I just had a moment like that this morning with my wife. She's pointing out some things, that, and I'm like, she's like, don't, I'm not arguing with you. I just, I'm just pointing out some adjustments, perhaps, that will be good for you. <laughs> Nobody else experiences that. Because you see, my wife, my wife Ainsley, um, I married her just the way she is. She married 
the potential of what I could become. <laughs> so she's contending for the purpose, the purpose of God in my life. Nay. So Paul writes, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's a very strong word, warped and crooked generation. What was interesting for me to see, as I've been studying these sort of, especially philosophy, you know, even Jordan Peterson in his book talking about purpose, one of the first places people go to is, why is there evil in the world? Why is the place, this place so messed up? And therefore, my purpose is somehow to make it a better place. Heal the world. Make, oh, no, sorry, it's a different, different place. There. We live in a world that is depraved. It's, it, it's bent towards destruction. And we take all of the good and the beautiful things that God has provided for us, whether that is resources, food, you know, drink, and then those are actually just mere morsels that are corrupted and have gone fraught, full of worms because we turn those things that are good into something that's bad. We take sex that was meant for a loving marital relationship and we, we cheapen it and we destroy it into pornography and illicitness. We take leadership, something that God created and ordained, and we turn it into tyranny, uh, not tyranny, tyranny, where, and dictatorship. I'm going to rule over, I'm going to lord it over you. We take the good that God gives and we turn it continuously for the bad. And so we need to realize that even though we are depraved, it's, theologians talk about that all the time. You know, I love what um, Martin Luther said. He said, you know, his sin nature is, is like his beard. Shave it off this morning, looking nice, but by tomorrow morning, back again. The ladies wouldn't know what we're talking about. It's a big, tedious thing. It's a tedious reality. You know, us men also have a cross to bear, you know. But the reality is that this is something that is the world that we live in. We live in a, a fallen world that's broken down. And unless you and I are willing to accept it, but not just say, well, okay, that's just our lot in life, but actually saying, no, I, I'm not going to stand for it. As Paul says to us in, in that Philippians passage, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. This is what the world does. But so that you may become blameless and pure. He wants us to become blameless and pure as Christ is. Philippians 2 verse 15 to 16 says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. That's when we work, walk in the opposite. The world says it's the brave the world says, I'm going to take hold of what I want. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to argue. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to steal. No, actually, when, when God says we want to become like Christ, when we choose to change, then actually our lives begin to look different. And you and I might not, in our Christian walk and in our lives, may, may not become world famous. Instagram influencers. We, we, might, we might not ever, nobody might ever know your name. But the reality is that when we live under the revelation of what Christ has revealed and who he is, 
and we choose to become pure and blameless, people look at our lives and go, that person seems to have some things together. The world around them, they're experiencing the same storms, but we're in a different boat here. My boat is sinking and leaking, and they seem to be sailing all right. And today, I believe God wants you and I to experience and acknowledge, first of all, that we are in a depraved world, but God wants us to shine like stars in the midst of a crooked generation. So that's why we need to change. We need to take hold of, we need to live differently if we're going to live a life of purpose. And we need to be willing to do that. The second question we would ask is, what does it mean to be more like Jesus? And this is, this is a question that, that, that sort of boggles my mind at times. I, because I would say to someone, you know, it's good for you to become more like Jesus. And then they're like, but, you know, if I look at Jesus, not a very impressive person. You know, yes, miracles, but I mean, he was betrayed. Everybody, all his friends that deserted him, doesn't seem like he's, he's really accomplished much. But Paul, once again, in, in, in Philippians uh, 2, but reading from verse 5, he says, in relationships with one another, have the same attitude of Christ, of what, well, which Christ Jesus had, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Not walking according to this world, but now, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance with a human be- as a human being. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so, friends, when we become like Jesus, we then basically say, what did Jesus do? How did he live? Because if Jesus is the king of all the universe, he's part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He chooses to say, I'm going to take on the limitations of human flesh with all of its temptations, enter into a world which is devoid of God, does not want to honor God in any way. I'm going to step into that so that I can model to every human being that would come after me to say, this is the type of life that you can live. This is a life of purpose. Because Jesus yielded himself in obedience to God's will and plan, not his own. He wasn't looking to exalt himself. He didn't arrive as like, I'm the savior of the world. He did say he was the savior of the world, but the way he went about it, was saying, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to humble myself. And that's really the, the two ways that you and I become like him. This is how we can imitate him. The first one is in, our, in humility, is to be more humble. But now, Gareth, now you're talk, talking, I thought you were talking to me about my purpose, Ben. I thought you were going to tell me how I was going to get ahead in life. When I live like that, it means people step on you. It means that I, I'm at the back of the queue. It means I'm second best, not first. But I, I, I've only been on, on planet Earth for a little while. And what I've noticed is, even though we might not at some point get to the top of the pile, the people that I look to that I respect, that I want to imitate, those who I want to honor, and that have had the greatest impact in terms of significance in this life, have always been the people that have said, I'm not going to be served, I'm going to serve. 
I'm going to express the gifts and the, the talents, the resources I have, not look for how I can build my, my pile up as high as I can, but actually looking for opportunities to help others. Because as we elevate others, we ourselves are elevated. Because that's what happened with Jesus. He chooses to come to humble himself, but then it says that he was then exalted. God says in, 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 in verse um, 9 to 11 of chapter 2, he says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because Jesus humbled himself, but he also then became the servant of everyone. And for you and I, if we want to experience and express God's true purpose for our lives, we need to be willing to express both those realities. Because I believe that's a life of significance, not necessarily a life of success. And every person I've come, especially as we get older in life, we begin to ask ourselves that question. What is this all for? What am I leaving behind? What's the legacy? If I'm raising my children, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm building my business, what is going to last beyond this life? And that's really where, where true purpose is found and is expressed. And so you and I need to realize that Jesus humbled himself and we can and should humble ourselves. But we also need to experience that sacrificial love that he showed for us. And perhaps you're today, you've been hearing some of these prophetic words, and I just love our church, the fact that people are coming, they're praying. I'm, I'm sitting here in the front row, and I'm like going, do these people know what I've, have they seen my notes? Do they know what I want to pray and what I want to preach in today? I have had no conversations with anybody, and God is just weaving together, saying, I, wanna, I want you to know that I love you, and I bought you with a price, and all that I'm asking of you is to bow your knee, to yield yourself to me and allow me to express my love, my life in you and through you. So that's our two, second question. What does it mean to be more like Jesus? We humble ourselves and we walk in sacrificial love. But then the third question, how do we then become more like Jesus? Because it's one thing to say, oh, Gareth, cool, I'm gonna humble myself and I'm gonna, but what practically can I do in order to do that? Verse 12 to 13 actually gives us a, a, a clue. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to work in order to fulfill his good purpose. Here's the key, my friends. This is the key for us, that as we continue to work out our salvation, there are two elements or two aspects that begin to unfold. We see God is working and we are working. So I, I, I hate to um, maybe disappoint some of you that thought that just because you woke up this morning and you decided, Lord, I, I want to experience and express and discover my purpose, and I'm just going to be waiting along. When is it going to happen? I'm sorry, there's some work to be done. But God is at work, and you and I need to be at work. And it's very important for us to see that this element of God at work, it, there's a beautiful ex, ex, example of this or, or illustration um, that Steve Wimble, who, who put together this, um, um, this, this series, uh, uses. So a few years ago, they adopted a young girl. She was six years old when she was brought into their home. 
And the very first night that she came into their home, and some of you here have experienced that and even have done this as you've taken people, someone that was, was orphaned and brought them into your family. That very first night, him and his wife and their two sons sat on the bed with their new little girl that's now becoming part of their family. And each of them, one at a time, expressed, saying, I want to welcome you into our family. I want you to be a part of our family. And all that the little girl had to do was say, yes, I want to be a part of your family too. Thank you. All she had to do was receive that, that reality. But you see, friends, there was a, a process that was taking place that this little girl had no knowledge of. Steve and Jackie Wimble were the ones that was involved in that. Months and even years of going to the Department of Social Development and Home Affairs and sorting all these things out, eventually being able to get to a place where the adoption process had been fulfilled. You see, the, their daughter, in one simple answer, of, yes, I want to be a part of the family, was adopted. But them as parents had to, behind the scenes, do a lot of work. Until one day they received a letter from Home Affairs or from the department saying, you are now legally the parents of this young girl. And from this day forward, you are her parents and she is your daughter. In the same way, friends, God comes to you and I in Jesus and he says, I want you to be a part of our family. Do you want to be a part of my family? And all that you and I have to do is say, yes, I want to be a part of, I want to be welcomed in. But then God is at work behind the scenes in areas that we don't even know about. In Jesus, sending his son to, to pay, pay the price for us. And then not only just paying the price for our salvation, but actually working out his purposes for our lives. Involved in every intricate detail. And you and I become recipients of God's great purpose and love and grace. And that's really God's desire. If you're far from God today, I want you to understand that the invitation is open. God has done everything in his power that we would be able to come, become one with him. But there is an aspect of work that we do. Now, some of us, when you hear this reality of working out your faith and your salvation with fear and trembling, we, and I mean, I've, I've, I've been tempted in my expression of faith to, to want to be like, well, yes, then what must I do? How many prayers must I pray? How many times must I fast? How much must I serve? What must I give? Where must I go in order to somehow continue to at least be a part of the family? I do sometimes feel like with my kids, I, wanna, I feel tempted to be like, if you don't start shaping up, eh? <laughs> Parents maybe think that, but God never thinks that. God wants you and I to understand that we've been accepted into his family. Nothing could ever remove us from that. But there is a role that we have to play. There's something that we can be a part of and that God wants us to express and experience. And so when we think about this reality of working out our salvation for ourselves, we need to understand that it's not in our own strength. Romans chapter 8 verse 26, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because last time I checked, my friends, if I looked in the mirror, I'm like, yo, man, I just don't get it right. 
I need God's grace. I need God's spirit. And so Jesus doesn't just pay the price for us and invites us into his family and then says to us we need to work with him and partner with him. But actually he gives us his spirit to empower us. Now some of us think about this sort of this analogy. You know, if I just say to you, you're faced with a, a vast ocean and you've got to cross over uh, to the other side into, you know, whatever um, lies beyond. And some of us say, okay, well, I'm going to get in the rowboat. And I'm going to row, row, row your boat, not gently down the stream, like upstream, over the waves. In my own effort, I'm going to get to where I need to go to. And our temptation is often to think like that. And what we, what we often believe even is that God helps those who help themselves. You know, Moses 1 verse 5 or whatever it is. <laughs> often people quote you know, like movie characters, you know, and then I'm thinking, it's not in the Bible. Like, it's some movie you watched. <laughs> but we believe that. Like, God helps those who help themselves. So if I'm generous and I'm giving and I'm... I'm doing the things I need to do, then that's how I'm going to get to the other side. That's not the right picture, friends. Others of us have a different one. We're, we're like in the, raft, uh, in the life raft. You know, there's no oars. All we are is just like gently floating around, you know. I'm just going to let go and let God. Whatever will be, will be. Okay, sarah, sarah. Many of us experience that. I, I'm tempted to just be like, Lord, ugh, you know, you work all things for the good of those who love you. And so I don't participate. I don't make the adjustments. God doesn't want us to live in either of those. He actually wants us to live more like a sailboat. The way we cross the, the seas is by raising the sails. And if you've ever watched or if you've ever been on a, a sailboat, there are many jobs to be done. Somebody's got to change things and, and hoist the sails and, and the rudder and the whatever. I don't know all of the, the terminology. But what does the sailboat do? Does it move forward in its own ability? No. It simply adjusts the sails to catch the wind. We sang this morning about us needing a fresh wind. We need God's spirit. And we need to learn as, George, uh, as um, Eugene Peterson say, speaks about, learning to find the unforced rhythms of grace. Walking in that, saying, Lord, I just want to, all I want to do, the way I express and walk in the fullness of your purpose for my life is simply yielding myself to what you've revealed. Faithfully giving me, myself to the things that you have already said. Constantly just asking, how can I adjust the sails of my life? That that the work that you're doing can be accomplished in and through my life. It's a partnership. It's a working together. And Christ is then formed in my life because I'm not seeking my own, you know, my own strength or my own abilities. And so as we express and walk through this thing, we really need to understand that, that this life of, of, of raising the cells, there are some choices that we get to make and there are also some contexts that we find ourselves. And you and I will experience and walk in, I believe, in the things that God has for us by the choices we make. And that really means, you know, what am I investing? How, how am I putting, what am I building into my life? And not just what, but who? Who am I surrounding myself with? If I'm around to someone that's always nitpicking and talking about how bad things are and how difficult and the radio 
programs I tune into and the books I read and the videos I watch. What are some of the, I've got choices. There's a choice I can make about what I'm going to be filling myself with. But also context I can find myself in. A place, the environment that I'm creating and that I'm allowing myself to walk in. And so when we, when we see that the way that we become more like Christ practically is that you and I need to find ourselves in God's word all the time. Being in the word of God is one of the ways that we become like Jesus. The only way I get to know somebody is by spending time with them. The only way I discover the meaning of a particular you know, aspect, if you're a musician or a mechanic or a doctor or a surgeon or whatever you do, even just a mother or a father, all of us need to spend the time to discover what the original intent was for that particular thing. And so if we want to know what something was created for, we need to speak to the creator. And for us, friends, if we want to become like Jesus, we've got to spend time in God's word. Because he's revealed, it says in John 1 that in the beginning was the word. Christ is the word for us. And yes, I, I, I must be honest, I often read it and go, okay, I don't, let me just read it again. Let me just, I want to just get this again. But then I realize my communication with my wife is like that too. She has to repeat herself all the time. I told you. I'm sure we had this conversation. God just wants us to spend time with him. We've got, he wants us to, to yield ourselves. We need to spend time in his word. We also need to understand and be willing to go through trials. The second one is that we, we are being in trials. It's, um, you know, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Is that sort of this, the way that, that, that the world sort of looks at things. But in every circumstance, the, the, the trials we go through are actually meant not to kill us or to harm us, but actually to form Christ in us. Because I realize, why do I react like this? This isn't like Jesus. This isn't how, isn't how God wants me to be. And so I want to encourage you to, in the midst of your challenges, through your perseverance, that, they, they, that your faith be strengthened in the midst of those moments. And then lastly, understand that we would experience to become like Jesus by being in community. And this is very important, friends. I, I cannot imagine any of us fully coming to understand God without others around us. And so this passage we were looking at with, with Paul writing in Philippians saying, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That your, we often read it as the individual sense. But actually, he's writing to a group of people, a, ch a church, a body of believers who received the letter, who gathered like we got together today, and they read it out loud to everybody. And he's saying to all of you, work out your salvation. And so there are aspects of who God has called you and I to be as individuals that we can only experience and express, discover in the context of a bigger reality of community. And so we cannot just be in rows and then go away. We also need to be in circles. We also need to be in someone else, one another's lives. We also need to serve and bring more uh, of ourselves together. And so let me pull this all together for us. So remember, why do we need to change? Because we are of our sinful nature and because we are part of a crooked and sinful generation.
generation, and God wants us to change that. Secondly, what does it mean to be more like Christ? It means to be more humble and to live a more sacrificial life. And thirdly, how do we become more like Him? By allowing God to work in me, but also to help have Him work, work through me, like that sailboat, raising my sails on a continual basis. And today, I want to I wanna ask you, I want to implore you, I want to encourage you to allow your life not to, to look at your purpose solely through what you can accomplish or the legacy that you can leave behind, but simply saying, I want to live a life that honors God. And as I honor Him, as I pursue His purposes and plans for my life, ultimately, He is glorified, and I begin to see all that He has purposed for my life. The details begin to unfold more and more. And some of us here today, I'm sure you've, you've not yielded yourself. You haven't started the journey. You're, you're not out of the starting blocks just yet. You're still either in the rowboat or in the lifeboat. You're just trying to, whatever the waves go, hopefully I'll make it. But God wants you and I to change that, to work with Him. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.